when setting objectives, I, I do think you need to define what your ideal scenario in state looks like so you all, all the teams are going towards a common North Star. Hello and welcome to the Capgemini Cloud Podcast in partnership with CIO. I'm Charlotte G, Contributing Editor of CIO. Joining me today, we have Sarah Pope, who is VP for Capgemini Consulting's Digital and Innovation Advisory Group, and she's joining us from San Francisco. And we also have Jennifer Jones, who is Engagement Delivery Lead for Capgemini, specializing in cloud strategies and migration. And she's joining us today from Atlanta. So hello to both of you. Hello, Sarah. Hello, Jennifer. Hello. Hello. Happy to be here. Hi. Hi. So uh, in this episode, we're going to be discussing the question, how do you transform your organization for DevOps? Um, so as enterprises introduce agile development, they need to define a new target operating model and processes that help to integrate IT in the business. To adopt DevOps successfully, organizations need strong change management to deliver cultural change and manage internal politics. So we're going to look at how they do this in practice and get some wonderful pearls of wisdom, I hope, from, from Sarah and from Jennifer today. Um, so great. Uh, before we kick off, can I ask you both if you can give me just one fun fact about yourselves, just to make sure the listener knows a little bit about you, show some of your personalities. Sarah, have you got a, a fun fact you can share? <laughs> well, I guess that the most recent fun fact is I have a 95-pound Bernadoodle dog who... I thought was just a good emotional support for for my family, but it turns out he's actually a really great proposal emotional support dog. So he's uh, now the new office dog, and he comes in whenever we're having a stressful week. That's brilliant. I'm actually really quite jealous of your colleagues now. I, I feel like an office dog is what's missing from my life. Um, <laughs> Jennifer, have you got any dogs? Any, any anything you can throw in? What what uh, what fun fact can you share with us about you? My fun fact is that I love to travel, both in work as well as my personal life. I just got married, and we decided to do the ceremony in Iceland. Oh, wow. Wow. A huge congratulations. Thank that you. is really exciting. I'm, I, I, I want to see the photos, because that is an amazing backdrop to, to get married behind. To kick off, um, I, I'm going to ask you this first of all, um, Sarah. How do you start to transform your, your organization for DevOps? Because I'm sure it can seem quite daunting at the start. So how do you, how do you start this process? <laughs> I think it is a certainly daunting uh, a goal to try and achieve and set for, for so many people in your organization. But I mean, it starts with just that. It starts with setting the goal and defining a vision clearly. Um, because if you, if you don't have that and you don't know that you're... Um, organization is in need of trying to innovate and adopt uh, the Agile and DevOps method, then um, it's really hard to get everybody behind a clear communication strategy. Great. So setting goals and finding visions, mm -hmm. I, I suppose perhaps you're, you're sort of saying that communication is quite important there as well. Um, Jennifer, what about you? What, what are the kind of first steps that you advise organizations take if they're, if they're looking at transforming towards DevOps? Yeah, I, I agree with Sarah. I, I, uh, I think that the starting point is just an, an open discussion to, to truly understand what are the bottlenecks and pain points you're trying to solve for with, with specific objectives that, that the team can get behind. Um, 
I think it's um, it's helpful to, to set those objectives up front because we very quickly can get in the weeds and we lose track of, of really why we're doing this. Um, this. The second thing I would say is it's important to take the different perspectives um, into consideration. So, so it's really a matter of balancing business, you know, business's desire for innovation and fast time to market, um, while understanding the, the ops team typically is coming from a place where they were on the hook for the stability of an application, which, which typically is at odds with the time to market and innovation. So I think you have to, to take both perspectives into play and truly understand where there is commonalities and where there are differences. Um, and so, so some examples where, you know, I think defining objectives may, may uncover some of the, the conflicts across the perspective. So for example, up front, um, how quickly and, and how often do you need to deploy new code or features for, for a given application? How many development work streams are you running in parallel, which very quickly could bottleneck your ops process? And, and what is your um, minimum acceptable deployment success rate? Are, are, are you, if, if, you, if you go down the DevOps process, are you willing to accept um, a little bit of, of mess up and learning along the way? Um, so I think, I think kind of setting those objectives and then also starting with identifying and scoping out a small achievable proof of concept to start building confidence. So whether you start with, hey, I'm, I'm just going to automate my build or, hey, I just want when, I, when my developers check in the code, I just want to automate checking that unit test exists. Ultimately expand that to check unit test coverage. So whatever, wh whatever your starting point is, kind of you know, chunk it out stepwise and, and slowly build confidence in the process. So both of you have kind of hit on the idea that you need to set objectives. This sounds an odd question, but how do you go around that process? And, and how do you know that you're setting the right objectives? So when you're trying to identify the goal that you're going to keep on going back to throughout the process, what do you advise on, on that step? Perhaps, perhaps Sarah, you, you might be able to provide some input on this one. Sure, sure. I'd love to add some color to that. I think, you know, when you're setting objectives, um, there uh, the the good and bad thing about shifting and into the agile world of doing things is that there's no one clear way to do it that will equal success for everyone because it definitely depends on where you're coming from um, and how far you already are, what kind of culture and tone uh, your people and employees have to uh, to adopt the new way of working. Um, but often and most times, I see a successful starting point is when execs or the leadership team who are driving the vision come up with its basic taxonomy, um, really tied directly to their strategic company priorities. So like Jennifer said, you know, you can pick one or two tangible things that you're able to do. I would also say you pick one or two strategic priorities that it's tied to so that it can become a very clear um, visual thing to everybody in the company, both on the IT side and on the business side. So if you were to pick a small cross-functional team area wrapped around something to do with customer experience um, that where normally they'd be working on different silos, but they're all working together to produce something that impacts a customer experience. 
then it's a tangible result that uh, everybody gets to see and and buy into why agile is a new and different way of working. Um, so I would I definitely start with the taxonomy. Okay, that makes sense. And I guess also kind of identifying, uh, although it can differ from organization to an organization, sort of identifying what success means for your organization kind of makes a lot of sense. Um, and if I if I can just add please. briefly onto that, I I do. I do think um, when setting objectives, I, I do think you need to define what your ideal scenario in state looks like. So you all, all the teams are going towards a common North Star, but then you kind of scale back and you set very, very stage-wise objectives for, you know, step one, step two. But I do think it's important still to know what we're all ultimately trying to achieve. I quite like that idea of a common North Star and then everyone sort of knows at least the direction that they're, that they're pulling in. Um, and Sarah, do you think that DevOps requires uh, a kind of specially set up change management team or do you think that you can combine people that already exist within the organization to deliver that? What's your take on that one? Well, I think this gets to the other part of um, maybe not one size fits all. You need to also upfront when you define the strategic priorities and objectives, decide how fast you are ready to move. Um, it's uh, there's a lot of research out there, and even on on our own clients, I've seen um, you know uh, up in Seattle, one of our high tech clients is wanting to move uh, very slowly but more grassroots and. They've just set a three to five year long agile transformation goal, um, and they're doing it mostly in-house. I mean, they've identified their own change agents for agile and gotten them certified with as being coaches or, um, you know, their scrum certifications, and they are doing it in-house and it seems to be working for them. Um, then I've seen organizations uh, go the big bang approach. And in that case, you need pretty dedicated, thought out um funding. And I think you often would pull in a consulting firm who can help you deploy. In those cases, it might be around a big transformation project that's happening anyway. So you need the extra change management effort around it. Yeah. Okay. So there's kind of two different approaches there. I mean, perhaps, um, does it depend on, on the kind of organization or does it depend on the ambition of what they're trying to achieve? So what what kind of considerations do CIOs need to take into into practice when they're deciding whether or not to, to take this faster approach, um, kind of using uh, consulting groups, as you say, or to do it more in house using their own people a bit more a bit more slowly? Mm-hmm. Well, the the first client I talked about didn't have any single huge transformations going on, so they picked um, small products and, and examples that they could start chipping away at. Um, the other client had just gone through a split from a, a broader parent company, and it was really just the perfect time. Everything was being reorganized anyways, and it was time to bring in um, some support and help to to do that all at once, and they, they targeted doing that in under a year. Um, so I think part of it has to do with what your roadmap is in enterprises, and then um, obviously also considering how uh, kind of agile savvy your existing employee bases helps i believe mm-hmm. sure uh, and jennifer what about your take on this one about uh whether or not you can can use ex- external um help or whether or not you can do this in-house what's your kind of take on this 
Yeah, I you know, I think it depends on on whether you just want to get your feet wet or whether you want to fully commit to a transformation. If if you really are are committed to to making it happen, I think it requires some some well thought out organizational planning. So you're you're automating tasks, but have you given people the direction to say, okay, well how how will your role change? How will the teams be reorganized? You, you have this, this team with a certain skill set, and how will you redeploy it um, once these tasks are automated? So, um, so perhaps it's giving teams direction for not only you need to automate this task, but how should you be using your time for new, more value add things where I think it helps the motivation for me to automate my job if I know directly where, I, where I'm going to be spending my time next. Um, I think there's, there's actually a few um, good examples actually in, in the Automation Advantage report on there's some, a few case studies on pages 34 and 35, which demonstrate how, how a few different customers have have reorganized their teams so you can um, you can decentralize your your current ops team and essentially break them into very very focused specialties. Whether it's one team innovating around internet and networking, a different sub team innovating around big data platform, and then one small team really just focused on innovating DevOps, or you you go the opposite approach and start to redeploy those um, op engineers into vertical product teams where they're truly integrated with the business and the development teams. Um, and you've got one team communicating on a daily basis for end-to-end -end across architecture, design, build, management, and deployment. Sure. And this is a question for Sarah. To what extent do you think this transformation should uh, really involve the CIO? I'm talking about the kind of broader move to DevOps, what role does the CIO have to play in that? I think it's a pretty critical role. Um, oftentimes, either, I mean, we need to show how IT and the business are better partnering together on these efforts. They uh, very much tend to be more business, sometimes business transformation projects that involve Agile and DevOps, and everybody needs to think a little bit differently. So if you're showing how the CIO and perhaps the chief digital or chief marketing officer are partnering together to launch a new customer experience. It has a pretty big trickle down effect. Um, so I, th I think that's very important. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And Jennifer, what about you? What would be your take on the CIO's role in this, in this transition? Yeah, I, um, so, so if it's a, it's, if it's an organization that is very, very mature and open to change and innovation already. Um, and you've got resources that can self drive, the DevOps journey, that's all good. I, you know, in my experience, most organizations, though, need a little bit more direction and communication set at the executive level, um, where CIO commitment is visible and it's clear that it is a priority for the organization with true business value. Um, the other thing is, I think, in the relationship with business, you, you need the executive support. So as, as companies transition to Agile and DevOps, it takes a while for the other parts of the organization to get there from, from shifting mindsets. I'll give you an example. I'm, I'm working with one client, and, and we're working through this, this rub between finance, who funds projects, and the business and IT, who is 
kind of already shifted out of a project mindset into a product and platform mindset. So finance is asking for a very concrete scope of a project where agile, you're buying capacity and it's up to the business to, to pivot as the business needs. Um, and so it's really important to leverage the CIO's relationships within the business to help educate the other parts of the organization. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. So you kind of touched there on the fact that perhaps the mind mindset has to shift and, and indeed perhaps even some of the budgetary, budgetary processes have to shift uh, within the finance department. Um, which other parts of the business do you think need to change in terms of kind of senior management lending support to this transition um sarah perhaps perhaps you can you can provide some thoughts on that i i think it um it really depends where for example if you're if you're starting with a couple strategic priorities that are especially falling under one of the cxo level that person who's driving that priority and would be kind of the sponsor of the program in partnership with who's delivering the program, if that's um, under the CIO or operations or wherever that lives. So you create an executive sponsorship for the program um, that directly ties to those strategic priorities. And uh, it's very important that they're engaged throughout kind of um, whether through, you know, executive engagement activities or roadshow activities, um, kind of creating the buzz and awareness around the partnership and, and what's being accomplished. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, and Jennifer, kind of what other kinds of support would you say that the CIO or, or whoever it is that's driving the DevOps uh, project forward, what other kind of support do they need to pull in from senior management? Yeah, yeah. So aside from, I think, kind of one of the, the initial hurdles of finance and project funding, I would say it's really support and, and helping transition in the in the support and the business organization. So um, you know, there, there, there is a change for support needs to be ready as new features are released. Um, that communication and that handoff process needs to be worked out um, where, where they also feel comfortable with, with supporting the, the pace of change. Um, and from a business perspective, um, whoever, you know, whether it's a sales organization or, or an internal role, but whoever is responsible for rolling out and driving adoption of the new features also needs to be aware of the new, the new cadence and, and process. Sarah, is there anything that you would add to that around kind of support from senior management? Oh, yep. Senior management, in addition to the exec sponsors, is pretty important that they understand the vision and, and can support more on the ground level. Um, for example, you know, if you take the customer experience end-to-end cross-functional team, it may involve... Um, a bit more of uh, somebody from customer service in addition to somebody from customer digital experience, the customer themselves have a single, a simple, simplified experience. So um, that would end up meaning that some of the senior management in both of those functions who aren't quite used to having to work together and agree on features and products and experiences come together and communicate that down so that it's clear um, how to build and how to execute on some of those common features. So a good example of, of partnership that would need to occur and, and common buy-in from executive to senior management. Yeah, 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 that makes sense. Uh, Sarah, staying, staying with you, we've kind of talked a bit about um, the management approach and the CIO, the kind of senior, senior picture. What about people that are on the ground? So, 
you know people that are approaching this from more of a bottom-up perspective um what kind of role role do they have in uh in transforming the organization the ground up role um in their engagement it's it's quite the critical uh quite the critical role because they're the ones that actually create the adoption and change and buzz um around the shift to agile transformation so uh, they need to be very engaged they need to understand the objectives and vision and um, they're the most critical part in making it a success. Great. And, and Jennifer, what would be your take on this? Yeah, so for the people on the ground, I think most importantly is just talk about what you're doing. Um, so once you've defined your objectives, let people know. Um, it helps hold you accountable the more people know and ask you about it. Um, and once you start um, showing and creating some successes again just just talk about it make make people aware of, of what what um, what you're doing and I'm sure someone else in the organization can can find value and reuse out of it um, I, I would also say when when you're communicating I would partner with um, one of your business sponsors or business stakeholders to translate some of these successes into business ROI, um, something that really resonates with business and marketing teams who typically fund a lot of these projects. Um, and, and the last point I'll make briefly is take initiative. Um, don't necessarily wait for this beautifully funded product project to land on your lap. Be creative, um, you know, scope out your own project. Um, and be creative if you don't have budget, whether it's looking at your current tool sets or working with your um, whoever manages your vendor relationships today. A lot of times, newer tools are already covered under a lot of enterprise agreements. So um, get creative and, and just start talking to people, ask questions. Yeah, great. So it sounds like that's, that's pretty critical then, the kind of um, communication and... Uh, transparency aspect how important is that to you Sarah kind of being transparent about about progress it's I think it's very important and there's a lot of interesting ways to do it some good examples I've seen are where uh, you put up dashboards on you know digital dashboards that are visible in um, kind of senior management or director level areas of, of the floor people can really get their hands around progress and how it works and um, there's just that visual encouragement that uh, that I've seen work really well in the past. But transparency also means that you have to be willing to show where there's failure and change that way of thinking about iterating and um, being uh, it's okay to fail. Uh, so it's it's also hard to have people have their work results up on a digital dashboard um, because it means a lot of transparency. But like, I guess with Agile, there's a big difference between over-transparency um, and actually providing clarity. Um, Jennifer, what about you? What would be your take on, on the kind of point around um, transparency within the process? I, I, I agree with the, the digital dashboards. Um, I've, I've seen that, that implemented very successfully. Um, a, you can hit a broad audience, and B, it, you know, it's, it's a visual that people will stop and ask you about. Um, so it, it sparks conversation, if nothing else. Um, you know, other uh, depending on the, the culture of the organization, I mean, it could be things as simple as lunch and learns or brown bags. 
um, that if you, uh, you know, if you reach out to your leadership and say, you know, I want to send this invite, can you help me get it to a broader audience? Or um, again, depending on the organization, go ahead and, and set up a meeting with your managers or their managers and educate them on what you're doing and, and the value. I mean, when we, when we say agile and DevOps, it is very technical. Um, so I think you also have to turn the lights on and make people a little bit more comfortable with the concepts. Um, so, so take the time to, to educate. Cool. So we've covered quite a lot of advice in this, in this session from both of you. If I could just get one piece of advice from, from each of you around how to transform your organization for DevOps um, from you, Sarah, first. Um, remember that you can do it. It seems daunting, um, but if you start small and you, you pick something that is tangible that you can start to move, um, that's the way, that's my advice. Just start with something that you can achieve and, and that's tangible. Because it'll, it'll start going there. <laughs> I feel uplifted already just listening to that. <laughs> um, uh, Jennifer, what about you? What, what would be your um, kind of number one uh, piece of advice to take away from this? Yeah, I think that um, what, what I suggest is not let yourself get derailed by legacy systems. Um, you know, I've, I've seen where legacy systems are very fragile and on the surface are not really compatible with agile and DevOps. But again, I don't think executives really know what specifically is the hurdle to achieving DevOps. Um, so I think if you just focus on this is the environment I have, this is where I want to go, and very clearly lay out what is blocking me and what can I achieve, I think it will help provide transparency to, to executives for if, if, if you want to get there, whether it's two, three, five years from now, they can, they can start putting a plan in place to alleviate those hurdles. But, um, but I think first is calling out specifically what those hurdles are with the current legacy system. Yeah. Okay, great. So, yeah, a, a little bit of optimism and then a, a little bit of focus on legacy systems. So I guess there has to be, there has to be some balance. Um, and unfortunately, that's all that we have time for today. So all that remains is to say thank you very much for joining us to learn about how you transform your organization for DevOps. Um, and it's thank you and goodbye from me, Shalva, and goodbye from Jennifer and Sarah too. Thanks. Goodbye. Thanks. Bye. Watch out for the next episode in two weeks where we debate DevOps or NoOps, which is the future. Visit capgemini.com slash clouds to find out more.